A friend was over over the weekend, and he heard me practicing my upcoming TEDx talk. The TEDx talk is, well, the theme of the day is going places. I proposed to them speaking on not flying, which is contrarian to, I think, what most people would expect, and they, they went for it. So kudos. I'm very pleased that they did that. I'm looking forward to it. He had heard in my talk, at one point I say, and I'm not giving too much away, my challenge was not not flying. The challenge is, actually, let me go back a second. The challenge was not not flying. Anyone can not fly. We're all not flying right now. Almost everyone listening to this is not flying. The challenge isn't not flying. The challenge is putting together your life otherwise without the flying, which, as happened with me, made my life better. So he had just heard that line, and he said, well, you know, Josh, you can, but, you know, there's some business people, and they can't avoid flying. There's nothing they can do. They have to keep flying. He didn't hear anything that I said. Yes, they can not fly. Anyone cannot fly. The problem is not how can I not fly. The problem is what do you do otherwise? And do you know what would happen if you, I'm going to say you. I don't know if you fly a lot. I don't know if you fly a little, but most Americans fly well over the IPCC recommendations for what would keep global warming to below two degrees. So you have a problem with Donald Trump pulling out of the Paris Agreement? Well, on a personal level, if you've flown New York LA round trip, actually, I think New York LA one way, I think puts you over the limits of recommendations to keep global warming below two degrees. So it's, I don't know, it's pretty tough to criticize someone for doing something that you pulled out of the agreement yourself on a personal level. I have to say, that behavior of Donald Trump's represents America, America's behavior pretty well. But that's not my point. Do you know what happened? I'm, okay, I'm saying you. Do you know what happened if you stopped flying? Would you die? You know what happened? Is you would figure out how to live a new lifestyle. And do you know what that lifestyle would be? That would be a sustainable lifestyle. You would learn very quickly how to live sustainably which is what we're all looking for. What you would have to give up is this pollution. You would have to stop behaving in a way that this is the future. Everybody knows that we must live sustainably in the future. There are not solar-powered planes. There are not magical planes. And by the way, I'm saying flying. Let's also put in heating your place up in the middle of the winter to where it's hotter than in the summer and cooling it down in the summer to where it's cooler than in the winter. Man, so many places I walk into, people's homes, where it was air-conditioned it was air conditioned when they weren't at home because they'll keep it air-conditioned for like eight hours during the day for 30 seconds worth of cooling when they get home, which is not even hotter than it was outside. They don't put on the sweaters in the winter. They take really long showers. All these sorts of things that I'm going to get to how the rest of the world looks at this in a little bit. So what would happen if, if you, if all of us stopped flying like we do and we stopped saying, oh, but my mom is in California and I have this trip to go to and how can you make me stop going? What would happen is, you know what I think the biggest thing that would happen is? I think there would be a baby boom. I think that people would start living, getting more intimacy, not just with like their husbands and wives as I was applying, implying with the baby boom, but also just with their communities. They'd meet their farmers, as I've done. They'd meet their neighbors. They'd stop, when you stop feeling like, Oh, life is so difficult. I have to get away. You solve the local problems and you get in touch with the people around you. I guess there'd also be mixed in with the baby boom. There'd probably be some sort of divorce boom as families that are staying together buy 
virtue of being a part. I have to pause. You can probably, I don't know if you can hear the noise of, the noise of the trash truck outside. I want to point out how much garbage. Story of Stuff said that something like 99% of what Americans buy goes into the trash within 12 months. That's a lot. We can think about the landfills that we're filling up with stuff that really is not useful. You know, a lot of gifts are just like this forced smile for 30 seconds. Then it sits on a shelf for a little bit and eventually makes its way into the trash. But I want to be much more concrete about it. I looked up the New York City Department of, uh, of not transportation, Department of Sanitation budget. If I remember right, it was $1.6, $1.7 billion dollars. Now, I might be remembering it wrong. I'm not sure how much of that goes to clean up trash. And, but a lot of that trash, apparently something like 99% of that, was barely used. We are paying billions of dollars for people to bring, out of stuff, bring, up, bring stuff out of the city. They were paying others probably something like billions of dollars to bring in that doesn't make our lives better and is really noisy. It keeps me up at night unnecessarily and then pollutes... All right. That was just an aside because I can hear the trash truck outside. People call me privileged for not flying. This is really a twist. Behavior once reserved, once unimaginable for human beings to fly in the air. It was behavior reserved for the gods that 95% of the world cannot, has no access to. They cannot fly. And this is what's called, not doing that is called privileged. This is as twisted as you get. I unpacked, why are people calling me privileged for doing what almost no one in human history could imagine? To the extent they could imagine it, they would assign that behavior to gods. And of people living today, 95% of people have zero access to it whatsoever. How is this called privileged? To not do what almost no one else can do. I think that it's something like this. I think people feel like they know that they're polluting. And again, by the way, this could be, I could be talking about flying. I could be talking about many sorts of things, buying packaged food, fast food, all these things, uh, heating the place up so much, all these, you know, you know the whole routine. We know it's filling the landfills. We know it's causing the earth to warm. We know it's causing the sea levels to rise. And Americans are doing it way more than anybody else. I mean, maybe Saudi Arabia is doing it a little bit more. But of the major nations, we're doing it the most. So why are we calling it? Why is this called privilege not to fly? I think it's because people know that what they're doing is polluting. They know that their pollution is is hurting other people. They could change, but they don't change. They don't want to change. And we know how the I don't know if you know. How, apparently, the way the mind works is not we decide. We think logically and make a decision. We make a decision, then rationalize why that decision was the right decision. And so, how do we rationalize? How do we sleep at night? knowing that we're hurting other people. I think we say, what, how, I'm doing this thing that hurts other people. I don't want to hurt other people. Oh, it's my job. It's my family. My hands are tied. I can't do anything about it. I think that's how the mindset works. And so they say, it's not me that's choosing to do this. I must do it. People who have less than I do also have to do it. I'm with them. I'm in solidarity with them. And somehow they've twisted up flying around, polluting more than almost anyone who's ever lived, is not their choice. It's they have to. And so when they see someone choosing not to fly, they say, they don't say, oh, I could do that too. 
because they don't want to, because they want to keep doing it. And so they say, my hands are tied. Josh cannot fly. His hands aren't tied. He must be so privileged that he doesn't have to be like poor me, stuck flying. Another trash truck outside. I don't know if you can hear it. So this is very twisted. This is people who have zero idea how a jet engine works, zero idea how uh, an airplane wing works, are saying that someone else is privileged for not enjoying this unbelievable feat of engineering, neglecting that they're polluting the world. We all know what's happening. We've read the headlines. Look, I get that you decided to live far from your family, and I get that you took a job when you didn't, it was based on not knowing the climate situation or not believing it. Let's grant that. There was a time when, I mean, in my lifetime, we all knew about the sea levels rising, but you chose to live far from your family or something happened that your family, that, that you took a job that requires you, that you believe requires you to fly, that you believe requires you to cross the country or whatever to see your family. The world changed. That is, the CO2 levels went up, the methane levels went up, mercury levels going up, everything's going up. And the sea levels continue to rise. And desertification is happening, deforestation is happening, all these things are happening. And our understanding of it changed. Up until now, we could say, up until decades ago, but let's just say up until now, we thought maybe something will happen. Maybe we can innovate our way out of it. Maybe there's some doubt in the information. And now that we know, that's not the case. The problems are happening. They're happening faster as predicted. Actually, faster, faster than some predicted, but there's lots of predictions that said it would happen like this. And you know what 95% of the people who live today who don't have access to flying, who don't have access to air conditioning, who don't have access to all the things that we, that we enjoy so much, they're not saying, well, I hope you can still see your mom when you want, or that you can go to that convention so you can get those clients and get the promotion that you were hoping for. They aren't saying that. They don't care about the color of your skin. They don't care about how pressed your ancestors were which people do not stop telling me how erroneously claiming greater oppression than my ancestors. I don't want to get into it too much, but look up, I don't know if you know what the name Spodek, Polish, Jewish, look up Polish, Jewish, 20th century, when my ancestors got out. Look up 1939. Or look up 1920, when my ancestors came over. See what was happening with Polish Jews at the time. Or my, on my mom's side, living in South Dakota on a farm, in the winter, how many people out there have been like, you know, I got a little time. I want to go visit South Dakota in the wintertime. Anyway, that's a whole other issue. They are not, these people are not thinking, I hope that you can go see your family when you want or that you can get that, you can go to that convention and you can get those clients and you can travel, blah, 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 blah. That's not worth their thinking. They're thinking, please stop turning my land into desert. Please stop submerging the island or the coastline that I live in so that I'll have no place to live. That's what they're thinking, to the extent that they know about what's going on. That's what, and if they knew what's going on, they're saying, please stop doing what's destroying where I live. Please stop turning my land into a desert. Please stop making it so that where I live and where my family lives and where everyone I know lives is going to turn into a desert. Because when they say, when you read that poor people are hurt the most by global warming, by the environmental degradation that's happening, when they say poor people are being hurt the most and that rich people are causing what's happening, getting hurt by them, you are hurting them. Almost certainly if you are an American and you're saying, but I can't stop 
And that means you're keeping doing them. You are the ones who are not the poor ones who are hurting them, and they're the ones who are suffering. Future generations will look back on what we are doing. Those of us who are flying, those of us who are buying all the packaged food, who are paying for all the stuff that's ending up in the oceans, future generations will look back at us like we look back at people who owned slaves before. But they're going to look back at this as worse because what we're doing is affecting billions and it will keep happening for decades, centuries, possibly millennia. And we can stop it. We can stop it. Yes, we can. And what will happen when we do? The baby boom. That's kind of me joking. It'll probably happen though. But certainly families will get closer. Communities will get closer. You'll spend more time with people that you love. People you love, you'll spend more time with. And all you have to do is stop buying plastic and flying and acting like you have no choice. That's what, why am I saying this? Not just because my friend was over here and saying, oh, but business people, what, what can they do? They have no choice. They have a choice. They can choose, and what they, they choose, what will happen? Why am I saying this? Because everyone says this. I've not talked to maybe two or three people who've responded by saying, maybe I'll stop flying, or maybe I'll reduce this unnecessary pollution. Everybody says there's nothing I can do about it. It's the corporations. It's government. It's these nations in Asia where that's where the stuff that's going in the ocean is coming from. Not the stuff that came out of your hands. Because the second thing that the people are thinking of that are outside, of these, the, outside this, this, these privileged nations is the second thing the thing is, if, if you can't beat them, join them. And you see that in the rainforests burning. You know how people here say, it's my job, it's my family. What else can I do? There's nothing I can do to stop myself from flying. I guarantee that if people cause the, the, the fires in the Amazon right now, and I'm picking the fires in the Amazon, there's any number of other, th- other things but that, that people are doing to degrade the environment that follow the same pattern I'm about to mention. But I guarantee if people, but the, I'm going to mention this one because this is in the headlines these days. If people started those fires, I guarantee that in the hearts of anyone who started them was their families and how to provide for their families. That if they didn't do it, what could they do? They weren't thinking, I'm going to destroy the planet. They weren't thinking, I'm going to warm the globe. They were thinking what we're thinking. What can I do otherwise? I would like not to, but what can I do? But you know that they could not have done that. And if you look at the numbers, what someone who flies around as much as the average American does, or if you listen to my voice, you're probably not just the average American, but one of the Americans who flies around a lot, we're putting a lot more CO2, methane, and so forth, and, nitro- and all the uh, greenhouse gases into the environment than they are. And in principle, you can replant a tree. That doesn't replace forests because forests have to regrow. You don't have to get the diversity. But at least in terms of carbon, grow some more trees, and that will, and that will, re- kind of, that'll take the carbon dioxide from those trees back into the, uh, out of the atmosphere. Jet fuel? doesn't work that way. We have no way of getting burned jet fuel back underground. People can dream of some sort of sequestration, but planting the trees only replaces the trees that we took down. It doesn't replace what we took, it, it, the stuff that we took from under the earth, the oil that we refined. It doesn't put that back underground. We have a choice. Those people in the environment, we have more choice. We have more resources and ability 
to choose not to fly, not to heat our homes up so much in the winter, not to cool them down so much in the summer, not to drive the SUVs and so forth. We have more choice and therefore we're choosing to continue. We are leading them to do what they're doing. They're looking at us and saying, we want to do what they're doing. And that's what they're doing. They're following our behavior. The system of global oppression that people characterize as driven by, I don't know, toxic masculinity, white nationalism, homophobia, all these different things. You want to know what's driving it? Your money, our money is driving that system. When we pay for filling up the gas tank, buying the trips and so forth. As long as we fly and we buy as much stuff as we do, instead of, you know what we would get otherwise? Instead of packaged food, fruits and vegetables, legumes, dried nuts and things like that, and, and, and um, grains from bulk. It's all available and it's actually more accessible, more affordable, and when you get used to it, more convenient than fast food for the single mom who's living in a food desert trying to raise three kids with three jobs. It works better. It's more functional for them. So if you're thinking, what about them? Help them get to this way. Because if you think, oh, well, they have to get fast food. There's no, they have no choice but to get what's most convenient. It's very convenient to say that, fa- that poverty causes fast food. Fast food causes poverty much more. I think it's a cycle. They both cause each other. But fast food causes poverty. And buy a giant thing of legumes and, and it's less money and easier cash flow than getting the fast food. But I'm getting aside. It's our money driving those things. And so when my friend said to me, those business people have no choice. There's nothing they can do. They can't, they can't do what I did. Neglecting, I was that businessman also feeling I had no choice. And you know what made it possible? Actually making the choice and acting on it. I realize that what I'm saying now, I've probably lost many people along the way. And the people who are listening are probably the least, maybe you're the ones who have, who have changed. I'm not sure. But I know that saying it the way that I'm saying it is more possibly venting than being effective. But I'm hope I'm, I hope I'm also putting a signpost out there for people thinking, is it possible? Is this really possible? What will it be like when I make that change? Because when you make that change, you will look back at what you did before and say, that was holding me back from a better life, thinking that I had no empowerment, thinking that other people were privileged for doing what I'm saying that I can't do. Because, you know, I was talking to a guy the other day. He was just choosing to recycle more after I walked him through the, the process of my podcast and acting, asking him what he cared about. What he cared about when he was a child. He played baseball, and there was a place that burned rubber, and his eyes would tear up. He was a pitcher in a baseball team, and he couldn't see the batter because his eyes were so teared up. And then he made the All-Stars somehow, and it was at a, that was at a field that was farther away from this place that would burn this rubber. It was, I think, in the 70s, and people didn't really care or know so much about, the, about what alternatives and, and not doing these things. So he was getting polluted on, and he went to this other field. He's like, wow, I can actually see the batter. And so when he saw, he talked about Flint, Michigan, and the water situation there, and he's like, that, I, that resonates with him. And so he decided to choose to pollute less by recycling more. And at first he said, Josh, I feel horrible. You make me feel horrible 
for making me think about these things. And they said, wait a minute. No, no, no. You're not making me feel horrible. I felt horrible all along with all the pollution, with all the re- when I would throw stuff away that could have been recycled. I felt horrible, but I didn't want to feel that horror, so I put it away. It was there. That horror, horror, feeling horrible was always there. You, Josh, make me feel empowered. You, show, you showed me that I could do something about it. Now I can't wait to start. Now I can't wait to do something. Now I can't wait to make a difference. Now I can, then he could stop feeling like what I do doesn't matter. It's all other people. What he does does matter. For, if nothing else, it matters to himself. It's a better life. This is what my big message is. However accusatory it sounded, saying that you're causing these problems, the flip side to responsibility is ability to do something about it. And when you do something about it, you will love the change. There's nothing I can do, there's nothing I can say to get that across except that, like the experience that you'll get, if you tell yourself, I will not fly for a year, I will not get packaged food for a week, that's what worked for me. I'm not sure if it'll work for you in the same way that it worked for me. But, oh my God, my diet is so much cheaper, faster, more convenient, more in touch with how most people in the world live. And it's so liberating. And I spend more time with family. I'm closer to nature. I have more adventure, more discovery for not flying. For all the things that people keep telling me, but I have to because of this, blah, blah, blah. You get more of it when you don't do it in a way that I can only describe, that I cannot describe, that I cannot put into words. But you will get, if you force yourself to live by the values that you believe the world should live by, and you can do it, you will get closer to your family, you'll get closer to your loved ones, you will be closer to your community, there will be people you, will never, you may never see again. Yes, let's face it, you are living a life, if you're flying around, you're not going to get to see some of the sights that are on your bucket list, and you're going to get to see more of the world, you're actually going to get to see more of the world, you'll have the sensation of seeing more of the world. Because it's, nature isn't all, it's not up the Amazon. It's everywhere. And you'll have access to that. You will get joy, personal growth, liberation, health, wellness. You, yes, it's hard to kick an addiction. It's very hard to kick an addiction. You know, you know that anyone who's, I don't know if you know anyone who's on heroin. I don't. But I know the people who are on heroin say, I can't get off of it. People who are addicted to sugar. Oh, what can I do? There's nothing I can do. I'm stuck. Some say they have to hit rock bottom. I don't know. But we all know that they can get off the heroin and that they will be glad that they did when they get off of it. I was talking to a family member uh, a couple of weeks ago and he was talking about, I asked him like, about quitting cigarettes because he smoked a lot. And he said, I forget the exact date. It was May something, 1980 something was the last cigarette he ever had. And he was very proud. You could see it in his eyes. That at the time he was smoking, <clears throat> I was talking to another friend of mine who smokes. He's like, it calms me down. It does calm you down because it makes you hyper, less calm for the rest of your life. It creates the stress that it then reduces. And I think that relative who said he got off the cigarettes, I think he felt that way. And he's very happy to have been off. He doesn't want them anymore. He thinks it's disgusting. He thinks it's horrible. And he talks about that like I talk about flying, like I talk about packaged food. You can get off this stuff. The emotion you're hearing in my voice is because so many people tell me I can't do what I did, what I thought I couldn't do. I guess it's because I'm hearing myself in that. But I want to enable people 
to find the liberation, the joy, the discovery, the personal growth, the community that comes with not polluting, living by the values we all want to live by, by not being lumping themselves in with historically the people that we take down their names from the, from the buildings and the universities. We take down their statues from the park. They thought there's nothing they could do. What could they do? How could they free their slaves? It would mess up their family. It would mess up their livelihood. And so they kept those things. And we keep these things. And they could have stopped. And we can stop. And the flip side to stopping, the counter side to stopping, is liberation, it's joy, it's discovery. It's, yeah, that feeling of horrible, listen, it's not coming from me. Either you don't feel it, or if it's there, it was there once you started learning the situation with the environment. It was there when you learned that you were affecting others, you were hurting other people, that we were hurting other people. And it will go away when you find out that you can create a life that's sustainable. We can all do it. And if you do it now and other people don't, you'll only get happier first and they'll only see you as a leader and they'll only wish they had changed earlier like you did.